following program is presented by Tracy Austin of New Mentality PC and Mental Edge Fitness Solutions. Hey, hey, this is Tracy Austin with Mental Fitness Matters. This show is designed to provide people with tips, strategies, and solutions to improve your mental fitness. This is Mental Fitness Matters. Hey, hey, everybody, you are listening to Mental Fitness Matters. I'm your host, Tracy Austin, and this show is designed to provide you with tips, strategies, and solutions to improving your mental health and mental fitness. Guys, can you believe it's already September? It's already here. Every time we look up, I say this every week, another day's gone by, another month's gone by. It is September already. Um, a new month means new opportunities. So no matter where you are in your goals, in your plans, the things that you set up for yourself, no matter where you are, know that the opportunity is right now to still get things done. And if you're crushing it, keep crushing it. Okay. So think about new month, new day as new opportunities. Um, suicide Prevention Month is also in September. So when we think about on the mental health side of things, uh, September is Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. It's a time to raise awareness, understand the warning signs and remove the stigma around this topic and mental health in general. Um, everyone is affected by suicide, guys, not just the victims. And I think we all know, especially with the, the last year and a half that we've all experienced together, there has been a rise in the conversations around mental health, depression, anxiety, and suicide. So people are talking more about this, which is a great thing that we need to talk more about anyway. Uh, but it's hitting the headlines a lot more. Suicide is the second leading cause of death among people aged 10 to 34. And it's the 10th leading cause of death worldwide. We lose over 800,000 people per year to suicide. Over 800,000 people per year to suicide. And when you think about loss, all loss in general is, is painful and it's, it's difficult to wrap your head around. But the pain of suicide is oftentimes unlike any other loss because people see it as just a, a choice that someone made um, rather than a consequence of brain health problems. And that's what I want us to focus on today. Really, uh, the suicide ideation and thoughts, it's brain health issues that are underneath the surface that people aren't talking about. Um, just a couple of statistics as we go throughout the show. So I'm going to provide you guys with some uh, education around suicide prevention and also some ways that we can really begin to implement strategies and put those in place. 46% of people who die by suicide had a diagnosed mental health condition. 46% of people who die by suicide had a diagnosed mental health condition. And for every suicide, there are an estimate of 25 suicide attempts and millions more people who thought about ending their life. No one is exempt. Race, age, gender, ethnicity. People can struggle with having the thoughts of taking their own life. So when we start to talk about today uh, suicide prevention and awareness, we have to start talking about the brain and brain health. OK, we got to start talking about the brain and brain health. And when we start talking about strategies and treatment options and prevention, we have to start talking about and educating ourselves on brain based interventions and brain based solutions to treating mental health conditions so that we can help save people's lives. 
Prevention is what we want to talk about. Um, my, my background, I'm a licensed clinical mental health counselor. I'm also board certified in biofeedback and neurofeedback. And at my offices and in my companies, we have the ability to assess and monitor brainwave activity and look at brain patterns in our approach to treating mental health disorders. But we also have the ability to use that same tool for mental fitness, just staying sharp, staying focused, staying confident and dealing with underlying stress. And so when I think about this mental health crisis that we are in as a nation, we have to start to look at the way we're treating mental health and way we're talking about mental health in a different way, from a different perspective, and really start to take a look at the organ that's responsible for a lot of the things that we're doing, our thoughts, feelings, and emotions. That's our brain responsibility. So we have to start to look at our brain if we're going to treat our brain, okay? Um, so let's first start with just some potential causes of suicidal thoughts. Uh, even though people may feel like if you've ever had a situation or you know someone who's thought about suicide, attempted suicide, or that might be you yourself, people may ask that question. How could people do that? They look so happy. Things were going so well. I didn't know anything was wrong. We hear that often, you know, that people didn't even know that somebody was struggling until their lives are gone. And then we're having the conversations about opening up and talking about mental health. Um, everyone struggles in life. Everyone has feelings of sadness, depression, anxiety. But for some people, they find themselves in a deep depression, constantly overwhelmed and stressed and feeling and thinking that their situation is hopeless and there's no way out which that can lead to a downward spiral, which can also be, then lead to thoughts and then acting in the behavior of suicide. So it's not just out of the blue. There's some things going on underneath the surface. There's some thoughts happening before the act is actually done that are spiraling that people can't get a hold of. And so that's what we want to get in front of. How are people thinking? How are we training and treating our brain? And what are we looking at there? And how are we supporting people in this process? Research shows that two of the leading factors that contribute to suicide are isolation and feeling like a burden. Two of the leading factors that contribute to suicide are isolation and feeling like a burden. Isolation. Talk about the year we're coming through right now. The year and a half, COVID. We're still coming through pandemic year. In 2020, 44,834 people died of suicide during the pandemic in the U.S., and that number continues to rise. So if isolation is a big factor and people are still in the midst of trying to figure out how do we get back out into some sense of normalcy and back into the real world, think about people who are already struggling with a mental health issue or mental health condition, then being isolated and now trying to navigate your way back out into connecting and interacting with other people. So we have to pay attention. A lot of people are struggling in silence. Um, other risk factors, guys, that you want to pay attention to and be aware of, not only isolation and feeling like a burden, but chronic stress, chronic stress. Everybody experiences stress, whether it's financial stress, relationship stress, work or job performance stress, chronic stress are other factors that can lead to depression and suicide, bullying, 
People are getting back to schools. There already been reports of school shootings going on um, in the North Carolina area. So Winston-Salem school, they just had a school in Winston, just had a school shooting. So bullying and things of that nature going on in our school systems and even at work in the workplace. Bullying is taking place. And that's another factor. Substance abuse, traumatic brain injury and concussions, history of abuse or trauma, a family history of suicide, a family history of mental health problems and mental health disorders are all leading contributing factors um, when we think about suicide. And when I'm talking about mental health disorders, I'm talking about anxiety, post-traumatic stress, depression and other mental health disorders can be major contributors to suicidal ideation and behavior, especially when it's gone untreated, when it's gone misdiagnosed or when it's gone mistreated. And when I think about my world as a licensed clinical mental health professional, unfortunately, this happens far too often in the mental health community. People who are struggling with symptoms of psychiatric disorders, they are oftentimes misdiagnosed, undertreated or mistreated. Let me give you a, a quick fact Did you guys know that more than half of the depressed people Half of the people who have depression, they have what's known as tre treatment resistant depression, treatment resistant depression, meaning they're taking antidepressants, but aren't getting the relief for their symptoms. They're on medications, taking medications, upping medications, changing medications without relief of their symptoms. And so one of the biggest things that I want to be able to do uh, from a, a license and professional standpoint is really education and really helping people become advocates for themselves and knowing what to look for for yourself and seeking out professionals who are not just taking notes and tracking and monitoring symptoms, but are people really looking at your brain health? Because that's the organ responsible for the symptoms that you're feeling. And if the only thing we're doing is passing you a medication and you're not getting that relief, it's okay for you to ask questions. It's okay for you to make a decision and make some changes in your professional care. Okay. So those are some of the risk factors to look for. When we talk about warning signs, warning signs. So a lot of times it's a, a silent thing that's going on underneath the surface, but there are some things that you can actually look for um, if you are around people, hearing people talk about hopelessness, not really having much to live for. Nothing's going well right now. Just really very hopeless and talking about that. If people are talking about being a burden, if no one's caring about them, they don't have anywhere to turn. Make sure you're listening and paying attention. If you're seeing yourself or loved ones have an increase of drugs and alcohol use. And so we also know that that rose during the pandemic. Alcohol consumption, drug use rose during the pandemic. If you're sleeping too much or too little, if you're noting your sleep patterns, patterns are changing. Your moods are changing, extreme mood swings, rage, if you're withdrawing socially. So, again, that might be hard to recognize with social isolation and the things that are going on now. And so really being able to kind of just pay attention and checking on your loved ones, asking them how they're doing, but really having a deeper conversation and assessing what you're seeing from an outer appearance with the people that you're around more consistently. Every single one of those things, guys, that I just listed is really has to do with the brain, how we think, how we feel and how we behave and how we respond. So we have to start to look at brain based interventions and solutions. Um, suicidal brains work differently. 
And that's what I want to talk about today. Really, there's a pattern, especially with the ability to use technology. Suicidal brains work differently. Um, and thanks to brain imaging technology, we're able to see that people have underactive brain areas that are getting stuck in negative thought patterns. It's increasing impulsivity, poor judgment and decision making. So there's brain patterns that really are coming up as a common um, indication of people that are more at higher risk for suicide. Did you know that abnormal brain activity in, te in the temporal lobes and low activity in the prefrontal cortex is a common finding on brain scans in suicidal people? Our prefrontal cortex, guys, is one of the most important parts of your brain. It's involved in impulse control, judgment and decision making. But when it's underactive, meaning it doesn't have enough activity, it's associated with impulsivity, poor judgment and bad decisions. And it's important to know that this is the last part of the brain that comes into development. Our brain develops from back to front. So this frontal lobe is the last part to come into development. And so when we're thinking about some of those numbers that I gave earlier, the statistics, when we have the second leading cause of death is among people aged 10 to 34. Brain development and making sure things are coming online in a way that's healthy, it's a big deal. And with all the things that are going on now, Taking a look and understanding how our brain works is even more important. In our mental health world, we think about the underactive brain or the sleepy brain or the sleepy prefrontal cortex. It can really look like and mimic ADD or ADHD. There's ADD, ADHD. Um, there was a journal, the World Journal of Psychiatry in 2017, had 26 studies that show people with ADD or ADHD are at higher and increased risk of suicide. They also concluded that early diagnosis and treatment of ADD and ADHD and other co-occurring psychiatric disorders can play a big role in preventing suicide. And that's what I want to talk about. I think that's the most important part. Early treatment and early interventions play a big role in preventing suicide. None of this information that I'm sharing with you guys is meant to scare you. It's really just meant to inform you, to let you know that that's something that you can be doing right now for your brain and your brain health. If we can actually see and understand how your brain is functioning, looking at your brain activity in real time, that's powerful. And I think right now when we're talking about mental health and when we're talking about some of these symptoms that I just listed, we got to start to recognize, and I say it all the time, that our mental health is just as important as our physical health. Just like your body is prone to underlying illness and disease if we don't take care of it, same thing for our brain function. It's no different. Just like there's tools and activities and ways to train your body for peak performance, there are tools and activities available to train your brain in the same manner. So that's what we want to start to talk about. So. If the prefrontal cortex, that part for impulse control, decision making, making good decisions in our judgment and our personality, if that part of the brain is showing up on a lot of our scans, we're able to kind of map the brain and see what's going on in real time. If those parts of the brain don't have enough activity and it's showing up as they are committing more suicide more often, we want to start to take a look at what we can do about it. So on today's show, I want to talk about what are some things that you can begin to do right now to actually start to train your prefrontal cortex, to start to heal the prefrontal cortex, things that you can do. 
One of the most obvious things that I'm going to talk about, we all know, and then I'm going to get to some of the other interventions we can talk about here, but exercise. We know that. Exercise is the most common thing that you can do for your mind and your body. Move. Just move. 15 to 20 minutes a day. Start to light up your brain areas. Give it some activity. Give it some fuel. Will help change your mood and your performance every single day. Okay? Another thing, one of the biggest things that I want to talk about today is neurofeedback which is what we do in our offices at New Mentality and Mental Edge Fitness Solutions. We have the ability to assess what your brain is doing in real time by starting you out with a brain map, which is the most important line of testing, the brain map. Because we can talk about symptoms all day, we can chase symptoms all day, but if you can actually see what your brain is doing in real time, understanding how it's using its power, the activity that it has in the most important areas, that prefrontal cortex, you can get your brain mapped and know your baseline. How are you feeling? Are you getting stuck in thought patterns that are keeping you stuck? Are you feeling more low energy, less motivated, more depressed, more anxious? You can see that. And one of the biggest things that we see after our clients are mapped, people are hopeful. People are hopeful. One of the, the things that I talked about as a risk risk factor was people that are suicidal, they feel hopeless. They feel like they're out of options. This is my last resort. And so when people walk into our office, especially on the clinical mental health side, when they walk into new mentality and they're looking at us as an alternative treatment option, a lot of people are coming in as I don't know what else to do. Most people nowadays aren't just showing up to clinical mental health spaces, which is going to change because I think people are looking at mental health as a way I need to have support. But most people are showing up because they're like, I'm out of options. So if you are walking into an office and you're looking for answers, you're looking for solutions, when people get their brain map with us and they begin to see a picture of what they couldn't really explain or verbalize for themselves, but they see that on a screen, they see that, oh, wow, I don't have quite enough power, I have low power. No wonder I'm tired all the time. No wonder I'm depressed. No wonder I'm sleeping, but without recharge or restorative sleep. No wonder my thoughts are racing. When they can actually put a picture to words they couldn't find, that's hope. That's power. That's an opportunity for change. So neurofeedback is after we get the map, the brain map, that brain scan done, then we can actually begin to do something about it. So we're not just mapping you and saying, hey, there you go. Your brain doesn't have enough fuel today or your brain's overactive today or you're not able to sleep. Here you go. No, we say this is what's going on. Now we can use a tool called neurofeedback training could actually train your brain to improve its performance in a non-invasive way. And when I say non-invasive, it's nothing that's going inside of your brain or your body. We're just taking your brain's electrical activity, putting that on the screen, showing you in real time what it's doing, and then giving you some feedback on how to make adjustments so that it can start enhancing its performance in a natural way. The brain is designed to move. Your brain and your body have automatic responses that they're supposed to be doing. And if they're not functioning in that way, a lot of times there's stress going on. There's some underlying issues that are happening and causing those things to happen. But there's something that you can do about it. So it's important for you to know that if you're wanting to get control over your thoughts, if you're wanting to get control over your mood and your behaviors, you have to get control over your brain and you can and this is not just for people with a clinical or mental health diagnosis or disorder. This is for people that are just looking to stay sharp. So that's why I have two companies, New Mentality, more clinical mental health. But if you're looking just for that mental edge, you can go to Mental Edge Fitness Solutions and also get your brain mapped and train your brain with some other tools to help you stay sharp. 
my goal, guys, is for people to get more awareness and understanding of this thing going on up here, your mental health, your mental fitness, how you can start to train that in a way that you're doing just like every other piece of who you are. There's so many things that make up who we are and we have to start to take care of those. But if we don't know what we don't know, right, education is important. So there's power in that hope. Neurofeedback training is a way that you can actually strengthen your prefrontal cortex. And it was listed in 2012 as the number one alternative treatment for ADD and ADHD, which is a diagnosis that comes out all the time for kids and adults that goes untreated or mistreated. It's the number one alternative treatment. So if you're listening to this right now, I encourage you to call us at the office 704-799-1270 or visit TracyAustin.com. Go to our website, get our contact information, reach out. If you're listening to this show and you're wanting to know more information about your brain, just saying, you know what, let me just start with the brain map. Let me just get my brain assessed and see where I am. And then we can talk about the treatment options going forward. Call our office today. If you reference this show, anybody that's listening and you want that assessment done, we will give you 20% off that initial assessment. But you need to reference the show so that we know that you're watching and make sure you download and subscribe to the Mental Fitness Matters podcast. So that is another way to train your prefrontal cortex, which is the most important part and the last thing that comes into development. Another way to get your brain in shape from the prefrontal cortex area, supplementation, natural supplementation. There was a study done by the Department of Justice on people who were suicidal. It found that if your brain is depleted from omega-3 fatty acids, you have 65% increase in committing suicide. That's big. 65% increase in committing suicide. And so being able to have the right supplementation when we think about what our brains need, because you don't get that just from food sources alone. Um, There's some things that you can do on the brain health side to really kind of give your brain the fuel and the energy that it needs. And that's another way to strengthen that prefrontal cortex. Another tool. Meditation. Meditation. A lot of times when people say, I, I, I try meditation, I've tried it. I just can't seem to quiet my mind. I just, it's, it's really a practice, guys. You know, everything that we talk about here, it's just practicing good habits and getting into a good space of quieting your mind, quieting your thoughts. You don't have to think about it as turning off all the lights, getting into a dark room and staying there for 20 minutes and being quiet. You can do active meditations. If you're an artist, you can pick up your pen and just draw. Just allow your hand to flow. If you like being in your garden, you can also do an active meditation. Just walk through nature. Get out in your yard. And if you just feel like you want to do more of an eyes closed traditional meditation, just get into a room, listen to the sound in the background, turn on a fan, and just try to focus on that noise in the background for a few moments. Each and every day, practice just ways of getting quiet and quieting your mind, being still, taking time for yourself. These are things that are going to help that brain get its energy and resources back so that you can better manage uh, your stress and the things that are going on around you. Another tool, and let me go back for a second. If you're listening to this and you're a parent or you're a teacher or you're an educator and you're dealing with that age, age group of teenagers, I, I got to go back to this for a second because we got to start offering them some additional resources 
Teenagers are teenagers, and but that's a big group. They're the second leading cause, the second leading uh, leaders in suicide, 10 to 34. So that's a big gap for our young population. We want to start to offer them more resources. Sometimes talk therapy is not for everybody, guys. I'm a licensed clinical mental health counselor, and so I do talk therapy and traditional therapy as well, but I know that our kids that we see, they enjoy getting to play those brain games on the neurofeedback training because talking, yeah, they don't want to talk. They don't even talk to their parents. They're on technology. They're social media. They're texting and chatting in that way. So coming into an office and talking to somebody that they don't know for 30 minutes is kind of like, yeah, right. Unless you've built that rapport and that relationship. So giving them an option that they can actually get a therapy that's helping to strengthen their brain and their emotions and their brain's development. Give them that option. Let them know there's something else available. We don't have to chuck it up to they don't want to go into seeing a counselor. Remind them that, hey, you can go in and exercise your brain. Think about a different way to say it. You want to be mentally fit? You want to be mentally healthy? You want to perform well in school, academics, life? You want better relationships? Talk to them from that perspective and introduce the mental wellness part of this in a, in a different way. OK, so we want to make sure that we're offering people in every area ways to come in and take care of their brain. There's also other resources out there, guys. If you're listening to this right now and you're like, hey, I have somebody who needs help right now. Um, you can always call in and, and get support. Uh, NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, is a great network. Uh, Mental Health America is another place that you can go and get support. They have a crisis text line that's free 24-7 where you can text uh, information for support. So making sure, guys, that we're starting to open up this conversation about suicide prevention and awareness, giving people access to the health that they need and deserve. It's at your disposal. And again, there are ways to see and assess your brain performance. If you want support, contact us, 704-799-1270. We can get you a brain map and assessment done. Go to TracyAustin.com. There's more information there. We're going to continue this conversation. It's Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. Let's talk about it. Talk to your loved ones and friends. I want my Mental Fitness Matters community to go up and shine bright like the stars that you are. I'll see you guys next week. Have for joining us today on Mental Fitness Matters. Tune in every Thursday at 8.30 a.m. to 9 a.m. for more tips, tools, strategies, and solutions that will help you reach your peak mental fitness. My name is Tracy Austin, and you've been listening to Mental Fitness Matters.